Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ant. And this is Create a Generation. Create a Generation of Hype. All right, Frederico, what is happening this week? This week we're chatting with Emma and Shah from mm, English. Can you walk a different path? Is it possible to step away from like gainful employment into this space where you have to go, how can I be of value to other people? They are an English learning channel. Um, they're edutubers and they're doing great with two and a half million subs. Before we get started, just a quick reminder that we have Change a College, which is going to help you become an even better YouTube creator. And you can find it at changeacollege.com. That's C-H-A-N-G-E-R, college.com. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. All right, Emma Shah from mm, English. Welcome to Create a Generation. That's us. Thank you. Mm. Is that enough? Mm? That that was probably, probably one long. of my favorite mms that I've heard. Yeah. Yes. Mm. God damn. Oh, oh yeah. English. Or my other favorite is mm? English. Uh, there was a an employee at YouTube that used to every time talk about you is MMM English. MMM. And I couldn't I couldn't bring it to I correct them. I'm like, oh, they're like they know. Uh, our favourite is um, anyone who emails and says, hi, mm. Oh, that's clearly your first name. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> well, mm and Shah. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me who, who you are and, and what you do on YouTube. Well, our channel is um, in the English language space. So we um, create lessons. We're an education channel. We create lessons for people who are learning English as a second language. Um you're looking at the front and the back of house, really. Um, I'm usually on stage and Shah's behind the scenes doing all the, the hard work to, to get everything, all the video up and ready. Um, our students are all over the world. Um, it's a little bit crazy going through the list of um, countries where we've got people viewing from, but uh, it's pretty much every one of them. And... Um, yeah, students, intermediate level English learners, um, the whole channel's in English, so um, we rely a fair bit on translations and things like that. But for the most part, it's pretty um, uh, sort of intermediate and above level English learners mm-hmm. practising English with us. And how long have you been at this for? Mm, about, f- oh, maybe <laughs> coming up to four years now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was just. You just I can hear Fred chuckling in the up background. All the time. Mm. And I was like, "Great, can we do that mm. for?" Everything? I was just about to eat my lunch then. Mm. Well, uh, so mm-hmm. sorry, I got so distracted by that. So, um, four years ish. Four years ish, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to sort of put a date on like when specifically when you when it really started, and, as yeah, opposed like when you to say this is the official start. Yeah. Or if you went like when you put a first video out and then did nothing. We'll for just two see months, what happens and put a video whatever. out. So is that, was that the start? I don't know. Let's look at the start. What was the let's start? Talk about the start. How did it start? It did start. It started um, when I was teaching English in Vietnam, and I had a class full of adult learners who. Man, it was hard to keep them focused. They would rock up to class at like 7 or 8 o'clock at night after they'd finished an entire day's work and wanted to try and learn to speak English and practice their conversation skills for all sorts of reasons within their lives. And it was just incredibly frustrating for them because, you know, coming to a classroom, sitting there and writing sentences in a book – 
not the most effective way to really feel confident about using language and speaking to people and doing all the awesome things that you can do with English once you've got it or got those skills. And so I wanted to introduce um, a little bit more of me and what I do socially and my life behind the scenes to my students. And so I decided I had this really crappy handy cam, Panasonic handy cam that I started taking with me to restaurants with um, people. I was cooking in the kitchen um, with the idea being that food is this awesome um, hub for relaxed social kind of conversation and it makes everyone feel a little bit more at ease when you're around food, eating, talking, sharing, cooking, all of that sort of thing. So that's where the mmm mm. comes from. Oh. Everything started talking about mmm, 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 delicious food. Okay, so it obviously was well received by those students <laughs> or you yeah. just like doing yes. it? Yes, like, so what? I had yeah. a, I had about 20 who were watching my channel when it first started, but very quickly, maybe within the first month, I think it grew to about to a few hundred and then a few thousand and I started thinking oh my it's a little bit weird to think that there's that many random people out there watching me eating (laughs) eating food and cooking you know I was doing full what I thought in my head were Jamie Oliver style um food production videos. Is that what you thought at the time? That's what I thought, yeah. But it was me (laughs) it was me with my Panasonic Handycam and I would like film a bit and then run around, change the angle of the camera so you could see what I was doing, mix a bit, go back, change it again. It really, we it wasn't, wasn't going to last. We had, that. We had um, one thing that's really popular, you can buy in markets anywhere in Asia at that time were those selfie sticks. You know the selfie sticks? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we were working, so you should, if you could see the like, and also because we were still travelling, so we had, I came up with this sort of contraption that was like part $15 rubbish tripod with um, with selfie stick attached to the with end of that. Uh, like a boom arm. <laughs> and then with the cradle thing and then an iPhone so that she could be doing what she was doing and it would try to give that top-down view, you know, like in those tasty videos, or not that we had seen those at that time. Um, yeah, really, really great dodgy um, It would have looked great in a setup. If random you saw restaurant in Vietnam. Like, yeah. What are these white people doing in well, our restaurant? Well, the thing is you Most can get away with that yeah. stuff when you're when you're a foreigner, right? It's the same for anyone here. If you're doing – if you're, Because you're shameless. Yeah. And the it's locals like no like, one knows me here, whatever. tourist, whatever. I, I could never have done it here, no yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. And borrowing people's kitchens and things like that was, mm. was the way we rolled as well. We just moved around and just were like – Going in and just eyeing up someone's kitchen, going. Mm, this if we stay could here, work. And, There's and good you guys going out. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just going to cook and talk. <laughs> okay, so you like you, uh, the students were watching it, but mm-hmm. then like other randos were watching it. Was that like? Did a light bulb suddenly? Was that a light bulb moment of like, oh hey, this is like going to do something more? Or is it like a bit more of a gradual? Um, so what actually happened was we were effectively mucking around with stuff at that point and we actually ended up coming back to Melbourne unexpectedly um, because my dad got quite ill and we came back and were helping my family and um, we were both working sort of quite flexibly to be able to do that and 
I really actually put the, um, uh, what do you call it, longevity or the the lasting sort of um, time that we've been working on this channel down to those few months when we were here because I don't think that at that point I was treating YouTube as a potential career move or as an opportunity for anything more than just you know, kind of teaching students and kind of getting some great feedback from them. Um, but it was during that period where um, I wasn't able to work as much um, as permanently as I had previously. And I was tr- transitioning out of the whole, I have a job thing into working out how this could support myself a little bit more um, permanently. And it, in a way, I feel like it was that I was forced into making the YouTube channel work through that period and me being quite sensible and pragmatic, I don't know whether I would have stuck it out for that, you know, with YouTube there is that massive period where you're questioning what you're doing and it's not really giving you the returns and the return on your investment, your time, your money, all of that stuff and you just think, I don't know if it's worth all of the energy and effort that I'm putting into it. And it was that period where I was sort of forced into continuing it. And that's a tricky period to get through. How, how long after your start and experiment and sort of just seeing what, what works, what doesn't, and really not uh, aware of the future opportunity, how long between that and this now this new stage you're talking about where you sort of think, oh, I'm forced to... Mm. see if this is worth having a crack at? I would say that it would have been about nine months, I think. Um, we also – was just reminded me as well in that period. So the first thing was I was called Emma's job as a teacher, like her pesky job because I was yes. building an online business where I, my whole thing was like location freedom, schedule freedom, I want to work from anywhere, choose my own hours, all that kind of stuff. And that's the main reason why we moved to Vietnam in the first place. And she had this job, which is great because she could teach as an ESL teacher. Oh, and also I could support us. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You and could also because do- I, I was making no money. So we were living up like hardly anything. I totally appreciate it's, you for that. Yeah. I, I cherish our friendship and relationship. Um, and you're probably still supporting me. Um, but, um, but then we were trying other stuff like, you know, everyone was selling stuff on Amazon and doing like drop shipping in the kind of network of people that I was hanging out with in Vietnam. And so we even went through a phase where we were like, Trying to buy ice cube. We've done all this research. We were selling ice cube trays that we were getting, like manufactured in China, sent to America, and sold like I forgot about 150 that. bucks worth and like lost several thousand dollars worth of ice cube trays. And so that was a sort of like just trying stuff and trying stuff. Like, is it possible? Can you walk a different path? Is it possible to step away from like gainful employment into this space where you have to go, how can I be of value to other people? And then. There was a, like I'm really quick to sell stuff to people and I'm happy to ask and put my hand out and say, well, that took me all this time. Give me five grand or whatever. For Emma, the transition from, from like you work and you log your hours and you get paid to like having to ask someone else for money, even as a tutor, she was doing like tutoring work as well. You know, people would say, I really love your channel. Can you teach me? And she, she coming up with a package and then having to say, okay, and I want X number of dollars for this. That That in itself is... Like there's a kind of mindset yeah, that shift that happens that there months. from employee to business, you know, whatever, even as a freelancer kind of type thing. So it's that was kind of happening thing, in between. But it's also even the the 
the words, like to be able to sell stuff on on camera, to talk about your own products and to do it in a way that doesn't make you feel weird and icky and gross. And yeah, that whole process was yeah. Or even like, years. I'm so great, uh, <laughs> like therefore you should buy stuff off me. That, uh, you know, you, you kind of have to do that otherwise people aren't going to be that interested, are they? Mm. You have to kind of tell them that yeah, this thing's awesome. You should definitely buy it. It's definitely, I think, harder for an Australian. Australians, yeah, yeah. really hard. <laughs> yeah, we, totally. yeah, we are not good at talking that. ourselves up. Mm-mm. No, mm. no, tall poppy syndrome. Um, there's a couple of different ways that we can we can go with that because I really do want to talk about like that flip from, uh, like creator that that gives value really like you know and, and giving away that value but then also building the business um but probably let's let's come back to that because then i sort of like this will will get there um so you had this period of sort of more focus on the the channel emma and like you guys come back to australia and Shah, that's kind of and then <clears throat> you were sort of like well out of necessity almost see if this thing can work yeah, there's a lot of different things kind of coming together at this moment of um, um, deciding whether YouTube is something that we're really going to pursue. But at the same time, I think that when we started thinking about the potential of earning revenue through, not necessarily through the channel, but we were more so thinking about like building a brand, building a a personal brand and creating courses that we could sell via our website. And as Shah mentioned, I was sort of doing one-to-one tutoring and trying to beta test group classes and group training and that kind of thing, which was still pretty manageable because, you know, once we had the, the website and the payment gateway and stuff set up, it, you know, kind of just ticked over to the point where, you know, I was booked out for six months in advance. And at the time, I, at the time, I, yeah, awesome. But then also completely hamstrung as well. Is that that the right expression? Mm, That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That, you know, when you've got that many (laughs) clients or that many students who you're working with, you know, you don't have a lot of time to then break out of that space and think creatively or think bigger or think where to next. It's like you're just constantly in the churn. So, um, yeah, that's when I started creating some courses that would kind of run independently and were selling them through the website. Um, And it was only after we sort of set up a couple of those things that ticked over in the background that... um, we really started looking at YouTube in a more serious way because we had um, a lot of doubts and reservations about it as a platform originally and putting all of our eggs in one basket effectively and, you know, waiting for that ad revenue, which at the time was like a couple hundred bucks a month or something like that. And um, so we had these alternative sources of revenue being that we were creating in the background, but we almost sort of stepped right away from YouTube for a few months, um, probably about six months whilst we built up those courses. And it was only when we returned and we came back to um, YouTube after a 100% break, like hadn't even logged in. At this point, I didn't even know what analytics were. I wasn't tracking anything. And um, 
yeah, jumped in with almost a thousand percent growth through that period of doing absolutely nothing. And that was the point where that was the eye opener. That was the point where we just went, wow, we have something here and we have something that grows with and without us and we can influence it or we can step away and do other projects and it still ticks over in the background. And that was probably where things things changed. I experienced something different during that time, <laughs> which, I, which we do right. all of the time. And this is what's so cool about working together is that we – we just see things, I see colours and feelings and then I see processes, uh, strategies. And Emma is like, sees community, Emma sees, she's, well, no, she's very diligent about the way she does stuff and I flounce in and out and that <laughs> stuff like that always works. And one of the things that was going on for me at that time and the conversations we were having, I started on this journey of the like, run your own business thing. I'm actually a landscape architect. So I have not got a business background at all. So also learning on the job, I just happened to start a few years earlier and was moving in circles with people, joined this big community online full of location-independent entrepreneurs, people building legit businesses, not just like blogging and stuff like that. Not to say that's not legit, but like people doing actual sort of scalable, really successful kind of type business models. And there's a lot of people in info product space, which is about you know, doing courses and how do you kind of, how that all works. And the, the basic premise of it and why we need to sort of guide Emma away from doing what she was doing was that teaching one-on-one classes or even group classes is really isn't scalable unless you're charging a buttload of cash, right? And if you're going to step away from a job where you're doing 100 grand in a professional sort of career into this, like all of this step on the new journey's kind of got to be worth it. Like you've, you've got to sort of go, well, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to give up like, saving up for that deposit for a house and all this other stuff that everybody else is kind of doing. I want to make sure it's really kind of worth it. So the basic premise, you know, I'm starting to load up on like fast lane millionaire and, you know, four hour work week this was way, way before. Um, lots of books about business, lots of books about info products, what's happening, you know, trends and, and marketing and Seth Godin, all this kind of stuff. And, um, and there's one of the concepts that came out of my community, which is about flipping. You mentioned flipping before flipping the triangle. If you look at people like Pat Flynn, and those guys, they their whole thing first is like build a massive audience, right? And once you've got that audience, go to that audience and talk to them and ask them what they want and then kind of build a product or a course around that conversation. And I think that what worked in – and that's a really cool thing to do. And in fact, in the long term, that's what's happening to us now. Now we've got this colossal audience and now we're trying to find out like how do we communicate with them to find out what they want so that when we, when we have another stab at a course, um, it will be uh, worthwhile and it will be something we already know that they want. But at that time, the flipping the triangle idea was um, instead of um, trying to uh, cr- uh, build a massive audience, just start with one person that you can teach something to and learn from that and then take that, maybe teach it to a few more people and learn from that and then put it into the group situation and go, how could I teach this to a group of people and learn from that? Because what you need to do is not shy away from did the shit that I taught them actually have any effect on them? Were they actionable things? Do, are they getting the results that they came to me for? And use those little small group things as a testing ground and then go, how could I do this en masse? Like how could I, from what I know from working with that one girl and then those two dudes and then these couple of small groups and you get paid for that stuff and it's enough to get by, how do I distill out what worked for them? What were the best bits that I could do that could then be allow me to easily replicate my process and have an effect, an effective outcome for a ton of people without me anymore and then go about selling that 
to people if you know that it's worked because you can you know get testimonials show that that, that sort of process so th- those things were what was going on for us from my side of things at the same time while we moved into doing courses instead of relying on youtube and it just so happened to be that when we got back we're like oh and the audience is growing too so that means we'll now be able to sell this stuff to even you know more people came together like that which was pretty cool how at that time how much how aware of that process were you early on that this is what you were doing i know at the time you shall you say you're going your experience was your thinking was in a different grow yeah your personal growth how how much of that was conscious thought and pro and strategy and how much of that was it's organically happening and the signals were sort of firing these things like oh, the the like the fact that you could look at um the business opportunities here in the space <laughs> uh, i yeah. think that um that shah was really um trying to ram that down my throat for a while <laughs> in terms of coming out of the teaching space coming from like shah said i'm really community minded and you know more on the volunteering and helping and supporting side of things and getting up to speed really quickly on you know running a business knowing numbers um knowing how what you're doing is impacting those numbers, how you can tweak those numbers, how bringing someone else onto the team then affects those numbers. All of that stuff was just completely foreign to me. And, I mean, we even had with the second business that we started, we had an entire year where I was leading the charge on that and it was a lovely place where everyone had a good time and it was amazing. But we were – it was a membership community and we ended up paying – four or five bucks a month for every member who was there because of what we were offering. We were paying for them to be there. <laughs> really, no, we were charging them money. And then we were charging we were like them money and, and it was still costing oh, us more. Wonderful. They had such a wonderful They loved time. it. So Great generous. value for the community. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I think that, yeah, that whole process was, um, you know, one that took a lot of time. And I think that with having two different people with, very different priorities and objectives working within the business has helped us to sort of level level things out in the long run. But I think it's probably taken us a good couple of years to sort of reach a place where we're on the same page and leaning on each other in the right way rather than just getting frustrated and annoyed at each other. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, while you're speaking for some reason, and I don't know because it's not related, but I was thinking back to the question about when you know it's just sort of like the question everybody kind of like it feels like what you want to get to is that bit where when did you realize or um at what point did something this change kind of happened and if i remember we started talking about this thing after a while with youtube with the ad revenue and um we started using this term like feed the beast or feed the machine machine yeah right? because and, and, and keep, this is what's keep really working. interesting if you watch uh so Lots of studies have been done about like um, poker machines or fruit machines. I don't know what people call them in different countries, but um, it's that um, it's random reward. Okay, it's the same reason why Facebook's addictive. It's the same reason why email for a while was really addictive because you you would go in there and you just never knew when there would be something in there for you or Facebook or whatever, and something positive has been said about you. And this is how they sort of create this kind of addictive behavior. Same thing as like the poker machines, you put the money in, you don't know when your number's going to come up. And obviously we've seen like dreary, sad-ass people who are in there in uh, 
flashing lights environment for God knows how long, spending the family savings. And it's great. And, um, but with YouTube, what happens as well is there's this algorithm and you don't know when all of your hard work is going to result in like ka-ching, ka-ching, But ka-ching, it does. If you right? keep putting coins in the machine, yeah. one comes out. Yeah, so, and, and, so, and that's the thing. So then you get into this thing where it's like I'm making a video a week and then we went through a thing where, hang on, if you don't, like, what if you don't make the video for the week? But you get this payout every month and you want to keep the payout going. So then you start stressing about, oh, my God, I've got to keep making another video. We've got to, we've got to get another one. Oh, my God, it's like it's Wednesday. It's not even finished editing yet. Like it's not going to get up for this Friday. And it has to go out at 6 p.m. on Friday. Like Quite really losing shit. Waiting. And then we have these things where we'll have like an internal like breakdown. There'll be tears. There'll be like, I can't do this anymore. It's really, really stressful. And then we had like console each other. It's like, do you know what? Who cares about that damn YouTube? Like we don't need that. Like just relax. And who are they to tell us this? Whatever. Like, yeah, but we've got to feed the beast. It's like, don't worry about the beast. Like you need to just relax. Let's just go away for a while. Whatever. You can take like three months off and the, nothing happens actually. You can drop back. Like once it's sort of going, I don't really think that you know, we're sort of learning some of this stuff. But we went through this phase of thinking like, oh, my God, you have to get it at this time. And if it Otherwise doesn't go out between six off. and eight, the tap will turn mm. off. Like nobody's going to watch. Because then on the flip side, like we got really more efficient. We've got like editors. We've got like all these processes. We're using software to track stuff. And it's all epic and wonderful. And as you're getting all these things out and you're doing what you think is like amazement, like total, yes, this is going to kill it content. And then it's just like bombs, and you have. And no then the idea one that you like, throw together at the last minute is the one that soars, and you're yeah. like, "What? What the hell?" <laughs> and you're like trying to do all this, so it's like this monster that train, and they train you. So, for example, if you started doing, I reckon, if we started doing two videos a week, YouTube would go, "Oh, we really like them doing two. Let's give them one colossal amount of cash." <laughs> Right, payout for the fact that they've done two, and then the next month you go back and go, oh, "We're too tired. We'll just do one video a week again." And then you get punished, and you earn less and less than you ever have. I love how you're talking about them like they, as if they're. Oh, that's how they're, something. Something. Like they're sitting they're there, something. sitting yeah, there, watching your, watching your every move, yeah, waiting. They, they are. <laughs> in an artificial intelligence yeah. kind of way. I truly believe that's. What's yeah, going. I mean, I, I don't know about that last part there, Charles. <laughs> you know, um, Fred's had some good chats with. With, with Todd from Discovery, who runs the the, the algorithm, essentially sure. runs the Discovery algorithm, but um, I was at a uh, YouTube did this thing called a, a Creator Retreat last week, um, or and it was the first time they've done it anywhere in the world, and it was about it was all about creative mental wellness and mental health and strategies around that. But interestingly enough, they had this uh, a roundtable, little breakout groups with with creators, and and one of the groups we I, I was sitting on um, this creator. Darren Levy, who's um, been on the podcast before, listen to that one. Hey, but Darren, Darren, he, you know, he's a young dude. He's been on YouTube for two and a half years, and he's grown very, quite quickly over over five hundred thousand subscribers. And he asked the question at the table, like, "How long is the longest break you've ever taken off creating content for YouTube?" He's two, he's like two, um, two and a half years, no break. Haven't missed a week. Weekly video, haven't missed a single one. Uh, another creator was like two and a half years. Never missed a weekly video. Wow. Um, and uh, went round the table and there was one cat who just sat there and he he was like, I've got one channel, we've we've made ten videos, one we we it, you know, half the half the videos got, got uh demonetized, it, so it wasn't worth doing. We haven't created anything on there for a few years. It's those videos are getting views and views and views yeah. and we don't care. You know, that's fine. Great. Great. And then, you know, the longest I've ever taken is three months mm. and I'm still a full-time YouTuber and it's mm. like, 
Yeah. And, and exactly the what fear. you're saying. The exactly fear. And, yeah. and Darren and a couple of other creators mm. were like, the reason why we do it, the fear. Mm. That they know. Yeah. Everyone knows. So it's probably yeah. a really great message to know. You can miss an upload and you won't disappear off the platform. That's right. Yeah. Or the data. That's true. That's true. That's yeah. true. Like we've, we've done that a few times and, you know, the amount that you can gain from just switching off or pulling back that stress and just taking a break and taking a week off to reset, to think a little bit more creatively about content and what you're going to do for the following weeks is sometimes just it pays itself back tenfold. I think that you touched on it, Shah, a little earlier about this, you know, stress and this worry, you've got to feed the beast and that kind of thing. And that's very much been my mentality, not just with YouTube, but also with, you know, business generally. Um, It's, you know, setting promises or setting goals and telling your staff or telling yourself, you know, this is when something's going to be done. And I would always end up in a huge panic, stressed state because this deadline is coming up and I haven't, you know, got everything done or something's come up in the meantime. And Shah's always been that levelling voice in the background going, there, there is no one else who is standing there waiting for this on that day. Like, it's you. You set the date. You said that that's what it was going to be. If it's all too hard change the date and it's like hey yeah like I I can and if I do it no one really notices and no one really cares and the algorithm doesn't notice either (laughs) I think uh, as time goes on I feel like it's more to our fans probably the consistency because we do get people who say uh, I've been checking my phone on Friday for the last two Mm. weeks and it's like yeah yeah you're great man Um, and we appreciate that but also we've got our own personal like health and mental health and stuff like that too. Just one thing I'd add to what you were saying before, um, like a lot of YouTubers do come up, have that fear and they do talk to us about it. Um, and like even YouTube say, it's not necessarily an algorithmic issue so much as, you know, the algorithm does follow the viewer and it's the viewers that want constant content. And that's why that exists. Um, often viewers take who take breaks have no real effect on the channel providing that the audience knows what's happening that's the big thing so if the audience is trained or understands why there's a break or why there's inconsistency then they're open to it and often you'll see views you can pick up on your on your return videos um because they're aware of what's happening it's just when suddenly or it's inconsistent all the time then the audience loses out and loses interest because it's just not consistent and they have too much other content to pay attention to. But if they're connected to a a YouTuber and they really love what they do, they will be more than happy if you take a break for a while, providing they know what's happening. Yeah, totally. Mm. Totally. Do you guys do that? No, I don't don't like half buy that story. I mean, I get, I I appreciate the, it sounds like really nice way of putting it. Oh, it's your fans and everything like that. But I do think that. yeah, yeah, I would I say know, that, truth in that interestingly, I, it would really depend on your audience. Um, like I can imagine that that whole strategy works for people who have fans built around like a personal brand and also like really fun, entertaining, exciting content. When it comes to lessons and 
education. It's like, and also the diversity within our audience of, you know, people coming from all sorts of different places around the world. Um, the level of expectation is a little different. Like I would say there's a percentage of our audience who get quite frustrated if we aren't consistently putting up lessons. And if, for example, we have a sponsored section in a video and, you know, it's interrupting their learning. So, um, you know, I don't put, don't put any sponsored videos <laughs> sections in and it's like, well, okay, that's fine, you know, for you, but it's, um, you know, it helps us to create this content for free for you every single week and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I guess that's that side of things is something that all channels have to deal with in some way. But I think the diversity in the audience is definitely something that means we see different versions or have different expectations from different parts of our audience. Yeah, it, it is definitely true. I mean, the audiences typically um, can be – some audiences are definitely more aggressive about things. But look, we have creators who – release a video every month every six weeks and the audience is absolutely has no issue with that i mean they'd like more content but they're trained for that right and algorithmically the, they do unbelievably well because when the videos come out there's huge viewership um the i mm. think the issue we found when people take a break this is they'll give you a scenario if you were imagine you were the youtube algorithm and someone takes a break for four or five weeks and there's no content there and the people who normally watch are watching other things it's going to start serving them other things because your content isn't there anymore right that is algorithmically understandable um but if they were trained and knew that you were coming back and you use your other socials or whatever you to tell them you're back and that's the thing and they knew to do that then you will see a massive pickup again as they start to watch again and your regular content comes back online and it'll start reserving it so that it is typically what happens. It's what we've seen it happen on, mm. on multiple channels. Which means we'd have both to instances. Yeah. Sorry? test because we would never actually, we've never actually made a massive announcement and taken a massive amount of time off. It's mm. always just been about the consistency of showing up every week. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm curious to try that out. It, I mean, it, it is. It, it has worked. Holiday. Well, look at it, Shah. Shah's like, I'm scared to Shah's test not that. buying that. Guys, <laughs> I don't want to test it on our channel. <laughs> Sorry, Fred. Yeah, no, I mean, even the guys at YouTube do say that as well. It's like um, it it does it. We, they do see that, and we've also seen that happen too. It it is though about making sure the audience does come back, and they are once if they're connected to you and they understand what's happening, you're going to get people back to it. So if you leave for a long period of time where you're completely inconsistent, then you're going to lose out because it's just not in the the wheelhouse of what people are watching. And if it's not there, it's not going to serve because there's too much other content around. So it is um, about managing expectations. But, you know, there, there are different ways people do it. When they go on breaks, they put in, you know, mini episodes, connectors, or they put in other things, or they make, you know, just announcements to say they're not, they're not there. But it, it, is an, it is an interesting area. Um, causes a lot of debate often because I think the, the whole thing is misunderstood. But, um, yeah, interesting nonetheless. But moving on, I want to ask a question about, you guys as a team. So obviously you're a couple and you're co-creators on this channel. Um, well, to, like, to every, like, it's obvious to us, Fred, but I don't know if it's obvious yeah, to everyone. We're holding hands, hands back actually, yeah, everyone else. Yeah, right, holding hands. Just make that assumption. Hey, you guys must be together. Hey, yeah. Ah, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Your audience do know you're a couple, is that right? Like I said, I'm front of house, yeah. Shah's back of house. Shah's made a couple of appearances in videos and, you know, to mixed reaction. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Shah's looking really stoked about that. That's fine. 
Um, but but you know, it's not like we feature together in videos. It's more like yeah, I'm front of house, Shah's back of house, and you know, if super fans know because you know it pops up in Facebook or Instagram or you know, there's a photo shared here or there. But really, you know, I'm not a hugely public person, so I don't really we try to keep it about the content. Yeah. Sorry, Fred, I hijacked your question. That wasn't your question at all. That's fine. But from a from a working perspective, what is like what is it like working as a a, a couple or a partner oh my God. together? Yeah. <clears throat> Who's gonna start? Oh, you go. I this think is it's a safe space. Everybody. Yeah, yeah, no. Safe I think space. it's it's just us and all. I would say I would say it's it's uh, given the circumstances, like it's amazing. <laughs> we are killing yeah. it. Um, we get like, along to so give well. you to give you a little <laughs> bit of background, we live in Perth. We live together. We go to the gym together. We go out for dinner together. We go on walks together. We sleep together. We go to the pub together. We go do podcasts together. I mean. You know, Work. given that context, we it's amazing that and then we, we run two businesses together, and we have business meetings about both of those businesses, and we have disagreements about things, and um, get annoyed a, at each other. Yeah, but on a, like on a serious note, I kind of feel like um, to me, entrepreneurship is one of the greatest journeys because you are dealing with a lot of mindset things. You have to learn a whole new set of um, information and skills that are directly applicable uh, and have an impact in your life, like in the success of your life, in your dreams that you may have. Money's a wonderful thing because it can allow you to do all this stuff. There's a huge learning curve there. And you also have to overcome a whole lot of other emotional things that that most regular people wouldn't have to kind of deal with um, in business. Feelings of rejection, feelings of working really hard on something and then not kind of working out or then like being overjoyed and then... um, and then we sort of so we've we've got to negotiate all of those things, and over time, we have actually become I would say we've become better people because of it. We learn how to manage each other, learn how to manage our team, expectations and reactions, and and all of those kinds of things. Learning how each other works. Like I can't just I'm the kind of person who wants to go in and just go, um, why did this happen and um, what, what are we going to do about it? Let's workshop solutions right now. I, like, I need to know what we're doing next. And Emma just cannot be put on the spot like that. You just can't walk in. And so I've had That's to like... That's probably what we fight about most. Right, just like Shah just coming in and going, I want to talk about this. And I'm like let's go, in let's the go, middle of go. doing something else. Yeah. And <laughs> Whereas if you came into me and I was in the middle of doing like one hand's typing on one keyboard and the other one's typing on the other and I'm like I'm talking to somebody in another country at the same time and then you come and ask me a question, I'll just turn and like let's go, I'll just answer all We're the questions. Like, you know no how problem. everyone says women are the best multitaskers? Like we blow that out of the water. There is no way that I can do something at the same yeah, time as something like else and you can do a ten, ti- 10 things at a yeah. time. So that's one example. So then we have to, you know, so then it's like, okay, hey, I'd love to talk about, uh, I need to talk to you about this. When's a great time for you? When can you, and then we'll book the time in, then we'll sit down and then we'll go, okay, here's what I want to talk about and sort of nut it all out. And that little things like that I that we've learned along the way have been what's kind of made it okay. I think that one of the biggest keys to us working successfully together is structuring time and our days around stuff and weirdly like 
if you had have asked me this four or five years ago, I would have been like, no, like I don't want structure. I just want to fly by the seat of my pants. We just make stuff up as we go. And that has created a whole lot of stress and tension in our relationship because we're never aligned. You know, we're always on different frequencies and, you know, working at different energy levels. And so the thing that has really helped and the thing that we've sort of worked out along the way is how important it is to have structure and consistency, not just in business and in work, but also in life and in stuff that we do outside of work. Even I would say even more importantly, because when you spend so much time together and your worlds are so blended, work and life and fun and let's go have a romantic dinner together tonight and talk about our automated email and sequence our new and our triggers and how much how we're tracking stuff and is that what happens like, like is that what hell is that yeah. What, yeah. Do, yeah do you oh guys have you cannot get away do you, do you have like hard lines where you go we're walking on the beach no work yeah. talk or this is what Emma's yeah. saying like now we do now so we it's like, do you know when people talk about like date night for trying to help a couple kind of reinvigorate their lives. So we have date <laughs> night, like we have a certain have time a, of morning. We have a bakery morning. So Friday morning. Yeah. I love, I look forward to Friday mornings because I know we're not going to, we're just, we are going to talk about work, but we're mostly going to go to our favourite bakery <laughs> and have a coffee and just sit with each other in the sun and we'll walk over to the beach and just cherish those and times. And smash bakery treats. And know, yeah, and well, then know that it's coming up. Unrelated segue, <laughs> what's your favourite bakery? Um, pork and fennel sausage roll from Wild Bakery in South Fremantle. Hashtag not sponsored. Do yourself a favour and get down there. Emma, Emma what, what is yours the same? What's yours? Um, Favourite baked good. Okay, so I've got a couple. Um, Favourite means one. Yeah. Oh, favorite means one. Okay. I'm not making the rules. Oh man. Uh, so my favourite would be um, an apple galette, which is like a sweet baked apple slice thing, also from the same bakery. Red. My favorite, yeah. No, no. Before that, I want, I want, oh. I want Emma and Shana to guess. What do you, what do you think our favorites would be? Knowing what ants like, oh, I'm like, who, what, what kind of people are? We? Um, snot block. I didn't even know what that is. Is that a thing? <laughs> or is that just like a massive <laughs> takedown? Like, I'm not sure what, what it, where I stand that's now. A, that's snot a vanilla block. slice. Oh, really? Nice. I was going to pick ant, ant for that. Ant for a vanilla ant, slice. Ant for vanilla and slice. Okay. um, Fred, chocolate eclair. Yes, I am a chocolate eclair fan. Oh, that is, is that very true? Whoa. Would you say that's your favorite though, or did I just guess a good one? No, no, it's one of I, I, ha, I like you. I have a couple of favorites. I like custard tarts, and I like chocolate eclairs. Charlotte, seeing as Emma got it wrong, do you want to have a crack at at, at my at favorite baked good? Um, I, I, my I love a good, I love a good baked treat and coffee. Mixed fruit. I'm just going to go almond croissant. <laughs> Yeah, is that I, it? You, it's it's pretty close. That's my number two. <laughs> number one is just a, a really good croissant. croissant. Oh. And then yeah. yeah, the almond. Yeah, too too sweet. I'm not that much. And of you've a... got that advantage as well because all little flakes are in your beard. So oh. like, enjoy <laughs> Save it for, for later. The rest of yeah, the day. Exactly. <laughs> almond croissant is like you know the sometimes so you yeah, stroke in, your beard, in just happy combing place. them out. They can be totally. like really intense yeah. and like mascarpone. Yeah, yeah. like well, Ant's very straightforward. Like it's, it's just a plain croissant and a glass of milk when he goes out. And that's, oh, good boy. That's that's, that's, hot, milk. <laughs> hot milk. Well, you know, at least like, uh, yeah, a bit of milk. You guys didn't get milk in your coffee this morning, no. which is completely unrelated. And we're not going to keep talking about that. But it was a, a sad moment. Um, 
Sorry, I had sure to, was. I, I just love baked goods so much that mm. baked good with coffee. Hey, we're all fans. Oh. I can tell. And that's what holds our relationship together. Yeah. Times like that. It's Friday mornings goods. at Wild Bakery and other structured stuff. Mm. That, um, uh, and do you find yourself at at baked good Fridays um, eating your your treat, thinking I really want to talk about that next video, or do you switch? Off and we don't have hard line rules like we can't talk about, you know, work-related stuff at those times. Um, but there's definitely moments where we're just like, let's just not talk about this right now. We don't have to talk about and it. We'll now. like say, talk about something else. Like, mm. Just talk about something else. Just keep saying And then that there'll be like the silence because we're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. what else is there? Jeez, it's hot today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, How's this weather? Literally. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. I hear it's going to rain next week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's, yeah, obviously it must be very important to have those barriers when you are working, living, yeah. everything together. Yeah. Actually, another thing that works, that has worked really well for us is from time to time, um, inspirational spaces or aspiration, inspirational slash aspirational spaces. Mm. So if we, let's say um, we've done one where it's like a, we're going to do our uh director's retreat where we're going to go and just make plans for the year ahead and just like really kind of put aside all barriers and just sort of say if everything was already successful and running really well what would we do like what what's the next year going to look like and that kind of stuff um as business owners there's a tendency to kind of quite be quite frugal about how you spend money generally and those things we've actually found that like if we go and get a place it's like a, just a total like sick pad um, with an epic view of some description which sort of feels like the place you kind of want to be going. Our minds open up a lot more in that space, which has been which is really cool for for us to just um, in to at the same time as enjoy something that's a bit special and splash out a bit. but it's also been really good for us um, business wise to sort of put ourselves in that space and in, and in fact all the way along, if we were to think about it, we've given more consideration to the environment that we're in for work, the environment that we spend in all day and um, uh, or go to for things like that. And that's that's also been incredible because it, it takes away the stress of kind of, I suppose, being too frugal where you're sort of, like, I don't know, shacked up in a little tiny Not having tiny enough box, space. Not having enough not, space to think yeah. and, you know, a generous desk and, and all those kinds of things. Not being comfortable. And, yeah. Yeah, and it helps. So you, you guys work from home though, right? Yeah. Mm. So then talking about that workspace, what have you done to make that workspace work? Oh, well, like at the moment we've ended up, there's two of us and we've like moved into a three-bedroom apartment. So we've basically got an office each. Awesome. We were in the same space, but um, I mean, trying to run three businesses, make videos, all of that stuff. I was constantly kicking Shah out, being like, I've got to film a video, get out. Yeah. And... <laughs> Or I've got to do a sales call or something like that and just be, I might be on the phone for 40 minutes. It's just not... Yeah, not practical. So, yeah, we have just when, a, a big space that um, that we share separately. <laughs> when you film a video, can, like, what is your approach? Do you, Shard, do you do the camera work or does Emma have to do it by herself? What's that process there? Um, so... We have a, uh, a fixed environment, so the camera is just sort of in a fixed position, and it was just for most of the 
most of the content that we make. And so since we've sort of, over time, it's, um, and we've started looking at what our process is and how long everything kind of takes to actually make a video, um, I now set up the studio space. So I'll get all of the lights ready and the camera in the right position and the lighting and the adjustments and all that kind of stuff exactly right because it actually takes about the same amount of time for Emma to do. She's got to do makeup and hair and then, you know, feel comfortable and all that kind that of was stuff actually, as well. That was a huge sticking point for me when it comes to, like, consistently making videos um, because the setting up the studio, we don't have a studio permanently set up. Um, so when it comes time to filming and, you know, really wanting to do, like, batch filming and just getting a bunch of stuff done, um, it was really challenging for me to try and do the whole setup and then get myself sorted and then sit down in a cool, calm and collected way and smash something out. Um, so by dividing up those responsibilities or things, it's just made the process become so much smoother and I'm, I you know, find myself sitting down to film in such a better headspace than I was previously and instead of feeling like a chore, it, you know, has returned to being something that I that I love to do and I think that like little tweaks like that and working out how can you improve your systems and the way that you're doing things can have such huge results and I think that that in itself is behind our consistency in putting out content and you know staying on top of you know video production and that kind of thing is because we are working more as a team now and it's not just me managing the whole studio setup and filming and editing and that whole process Mm. so we like to finish these by asking uh, the creators to give their top three tips that they've learned over the years of creating so guys what are your top three tips or one or five or three each or three you You do two and I'll do one so my first tip would be to realise that you are the person who's in control of your schedule and your time and your output and your capacity Um, whilst there's YouTube there's the algorithm there's your audience it ultimately just falls to you and so if you need to take a week off or you need to take some time out the world's not going to stop and I hate to say it, but not that many people are even going to notice. And <laughs> I think coming to terms with that and just being cool with it is it has been a huge help for me. Um, granted, that consistency and that promise to your audience is important, but I think also, you know, keeping yourself in a positive, creative and productive space is also really important. Um, I'm going to give one tip about your content and I'm going to say do your best to produce content with purpose and fulfill on the promise of what you're delivering. And what I mean by that is one of the great things that we've learned with watch time on YouTube videos is that if you deliver and deliver and deliver and deliver within the one video on the thing that people came to to watch that video for, so how to do this or um, whatever it may be. And I'm talking about people more in our in kind of our space and you really deliver big on that, that video will do a lot better because it's been pre-planned and you're going to teach them or offer them this, that what they came for over and over 
than if it's this sort of just drifting, kind of waffling, kind of not really that structured and just sort of see how it goes sort of type thing. Um, so that would be my one. So the more even dopamine kicks or the mo- more kicks you can give them in one video, um, the better that video will do. And, I, and uh, yeah, that, that would be my, my one tip. And Very my good. third tip would be mm-hmm. um, around this idea of um, building a team around um, your channel as it grows and identifying which parts in your process can be supported by others. Um, I think I have conversations with creators all the time about how they could never bring in an editor or how they could, um, you know, never hand over their videos and trust someone else to work with those videos. And I think that um, for us that has been a hugely liberating part of, um, of our process because by handing away some of the roles and responsibilities in our business to others to manage it's allowed us to stay creative and to explore new opportunities to come up with new products and not be buried in the you know mechanics of YouTube the algorithm of you know getting everything um, set up and 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 rolling Um, I have this conversation all the time with with other creators around um, I could never hand over my content, my videos to other people to edit. And I think that in a way that's that's true and that's a really legitimate, real fear. It's hard to get someone else to create something in exactly the way that you want it to be created. But um, I think that for us, we definitely started in that place and it was a, fr- a frustrating sort of transition. But with consistent... And really like smart training um, over, you know, a few months. It's not just something that like, happens like that. But, you know, helping someone to really understand your purpose, what you're trying to achieve in your videos. We've got an amazing, you know, editor who works with us on every video that we do. And she, you know, has taken a little bit of time to get on board with it. But now, you know, we can almost hand over our videos to her with her eyes closed. We have great systems and and processes in place and that's just given us so many more opportunities to do things within our business. So I think if you're telling yourself that, I would really, really challenge you to think She's really a little differently. These people who say this at the moment. People tell me this <laughs> all the really time. You hear it a lot. You hear a lot. I've I heard just, it just in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. It's like, if you want to be an editor, go be an editor. Stop being a YouTuber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That's my third tip. It was long. Sorry. It's as long as it needed to be. Great (laughs) tip. Good tip. Great tip. Well, Emma Shah from mm, Mm. English. No, too long. Mm. Thanks so Mm. much for joining us. And before we go, everyone gets to say that mm, English. Go on. Emma, how do you say it properly? Come on. Mm, English. Shah. Emma, um, English. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, that was my home version. Sorry. I was supposed to do English. Mm, English. <laughs> Frederico. Mm, English. Mm, English. <laughs> Love it. Thanks, Thanks guys. Mm, English, a very good channel and they're very good creators. If you are an aspiring ed YouTuber, check out their channel. Um, until next week, though. Bye. Bye. Create the generation, create the generation, on the mic. Create the generation, on the mic.